Hey, Bill, look what our werewolf dug up in the backyard. Werewolf? We don't have a were. Oh, crap. Never mind. What is that? It's a disembodied, shriveled, mummified hand that's badly in need of a manicure. Uh, we better hurry up and bury that because it's one of the artifacts of Vecna this week on a Dungeon Master's Dojo episode. Support the Dungeon Master's Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is with a small monthly donation so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us to upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to Anchor to the Dungeon Masters Dojo page and click the support button. And now, on to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Good. I got my... Uh... I got my Keith Richards hand and my Marty Feldman eye. We're all ready to go. <laughs> Please reference our previous episode. So I guess with that, we're going we're gonna to get right into it. And um, we're talking about artifacts of Vecna. Yeah, yeah. We um, Both of us have been spending a lot of time in the dusty confines of the uh, dojo's lyceum, uh, deep in the bowels of the dojo itself. So we're bringing you... A little bit of the second edition versions of these these classic artifacts, and of course, we'll talk about uh, fifth ed and and how they how they compare. And you guys can go ahead and pick which one you like to use the best because right they're the dungeon yeah, it, masters building. They're, 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 they're the want. dungeon masters. All we're just all we're doing is giving you the tools. It's up to you to figure out which one you want to use, and it's okay no matter which one you pick. That's it. We we you have our approval. Though second edition's better in my opinion, but maybe I have a biased opinion. No, no, you're absolutely correct. Our opinions are worth gold, and everything else uh, is not. Uh oh, oh, Lou's making that squinty face he does when when he disagrees. Go on, Lou. What do you got? I I actually think for a fifth edition, fifth edition is better because it's tailored. You're fired. Do the editing yourself. You're rehired. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I was saying, it's tailored for fifth edition, so it fits better. Yeah, well, you know, potato, potato. If you push hard enough, it'll fit. Just, just think of it like that. And we're gonna move on with that. Yeah, that's probably best. Uncomfortable pause. Yep. It is said, though not in the hearing of strangers, that when the mighty Lich Vecna finally met his doom, one of his eyes survived along with his hand. You can find both I and Hand of Vecna on page 224 of the 5th edition Dungeon Master's Guide. The Sword of Cass can be found on page 226 of the 5th edition of the Dungeon Master's Guild. So, these are listed in the artifacts section as sample artifacts. 
Uh, it's an absolute shame that there are not more than just a few short paragraphs regarding these iconic items. But today's your lucky day because both Scott and I have sequestered ourselves, as he mentioned, in the dusty confines of the dojo super secret lyceum to bring you a more complete description of Vecna's artifacts. There's a wonderful series of books written for second edition called the Encyclopedia Magica, and this is where we draw our magic items from. It is an easy conversion from second edition to fifth. You can go ahead and do it yourself, but why bother when you have the two of us to do it for you? Yeah, why bother? Because as we all know, Lou, if you push hard enough, you get that round peg into the square hole. Fit nice. Well, then show us how it fits. All right. It is unclear as to whether or not the artifact known as the Eye of Vecna is actually the Arch Lich's true eye. It is said that the eye glitters in much the same way that the eye of a cat does. So here's the fifth ed version of the eye, the one that Lou likes. This is from the Dungeon Master's Guide. Both the eye and the hand are wondrous items, artifacts that require attunement. So here are the properties of the eye. Your alignment changes to neutral evil, and you gain the following benefits. You have true sight. You can use an action to see as if you were wearing a ring of X-ray vision. You can end this effect as a bonus action. So, yeah, the eye basically makes you Superman. Yay. The eye has eight charges. You can use an action and expend one or more charges to cast one of the following spells from it. Uh, it's a DC 18 save. Clairvoyance. Two charges, Crown of Madness, one charge, Disintegrate, four charges, Dominate Monster, five charges, or Eye Bite, four charges. The Eye regains 1d4 plus four expended charges daily at dawn. Each time you cast a spell from the Eye, there is a 5% chance that Vecna tears your soul from your body, devours it, yum, 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 and then takes control of the body like a puppet. If that happens, you become an NPC under the DM's control. Better hope that Bill's not sitting at the head of the table <laughs> because it's going to suck. Um, I, you know, and, and in reading that, Bill, I, I, it, is, it is a pretty potent magic item or artifact still yes. in 5th um, in, in edition, so I will have to begrudgingly agree with Lou that it is a, a fine magic item in its own right. But why don't you tell us about the second-ed version of the eye? Uh, the one we like best and, and, and the one that we're, we're the most used to using. I shall. So this is how the eye works. The eye must be pressed into the empty socket of a living human head. Once that is done, the eye grafts itself into the head of the user and grants that user remarkable powers. The eye, prior to being placed in the head, appears to be a blood-red clot of some sort. Uh, but once it's pressed into the empty eye socket, it becomes an eye gains a golden feline-like appearance. Once it's placed inside the head of the user, the eye cannot be removed. When the eye is placed and becomes permanently affixed to the user, there is an alignment shift. The user becomes chaotic. One of the things when when reading the 5th edition description of the, the eye in the hand, they do mention you have, to, uh, you have to gouge your own eye out or lop off your own hand to um, affix the eye or the hand to, like, the stump or the socket. Much better for the story. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, I, will, I will give you that. Um, it's, uh, I mean, that, I would, I would have to make the player describe that. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah, gonna... yeah, you would m most definitely have to. Let's hear it. How are you going to go about doing that? Uh, so how does the alignment shift occur at the table? I, 
let's say for the sake of argument that your character is lawful good. Once the eye is pressed into the socket and it grafts, your alignment will become chaotic good. If you are neutral evil, your alignment now becomes chaotic evil, and so on and so forth. As a GM, and for the sake of your story, because everything you should be doing is for the sake of your story, please do not make this transformation immediate. Like, you go from, like, lawful good paladin to, to, to bad guy, you know, just like that? No. No, of course not. No. Make There's the, no giant switch in the wall. You just yeah, go, clunk. That's yeah, no. boring. Don't do that. Make the transformation dramatic. It should be a slow creep, you know, a gradual descent into chaos. My personal preference is to slowly sink the character into chaotic evil. Over the course of maybe, you know, like six months to a year of, of, of gaming. Once the transformation is complete... They now become an NPC and my next big bad. See, now you're starting to think like me. Yeah. That's disturbing. <laughs> That's quite disturbing. The effect the eye has on its user cannot be altered, no matter what, not even by wishes. And speaking of wishes, one of the most powerful abilities that the eye grants its user is granting of a wish. This occurs once a week, but it, becomes, it comes with a price. Every time a wish is used, there is an increasing possibility that the power contained within the eye will become free and take over the wielder. This results in the destruction of the individual soul, and now that the eye is in command of the wielder, it will, while retaining the former, the form of the wielder, seek out any and all of the associates of the wielder and destroy them. Yay! Yeah, that's that's grim. Yes, it is. I, I, I still really like the uh, Vecna will pluck your soul from your body and, and devour it. It's like, uh, he's he just like kind of hanging out. He's, he is a demigod. Still. You know, just, yeah. I don't know, he's playing chess with Strahd or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, excuse and, me, hang on a second. Yeah, oh, I, oh shit, watch watch this, guys. Maybe they had a few cocktails. He's yeah. like, you want to see something funny, guys? <laughs> a bloody bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, watch, watch me. Tear Ragnar's soul from his body, and then I'm gonna eat it. How's that? And then, you know, makes him dance around like you know he's yeah. he's on puppet strings, while the other like bad guys like Soth and and Strahd are laughing. It's Soth in the corner. Hey, hey, do me a favor. Hey, make him go kill his family. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Make make him go kill his family. Yeah, he's handsome. I don't like him. Yeah, he's probably getting all the girls. <laughs> As a GM, how do you run this in the game? We recommend starting at 5% chance of the eye taking over the wielder when the wish spell is used. For example, roll percentile dice. Say, for instance, if the roll is 95 or higher, the eye has taken over the wielder. If on the first use of the wish, the wielder is not overtaken by the eye, then the results will become progressive. For example, the second time a wish is used, there will be a 10% chance that the wielder will succumb to the power of the eye. On the third occasion, the wish is used, there will be a 20% chance. And the fourth occasion, the wish is a 40% chance, and so on and so forth. Should you get to the point where there is greater than a 100% chance the wielder will be overtaken by the eye when a wish is used, add some drama, and have them roll percentile dice anyways. Anything except for double zeros will result in the wielder being overtaken by the eye. This will be a quick transformation, because we all know a wish in the hands of a player is going to be used often. And recklessly. And recklessly. So, yeah. Yeah, it, you shouldn't have to wait, but I'm thinking half dozen gaming sessions. And then, yep. Yeah, that, that one time, that one time that Lou's sitting there, and, he, and he, uh, he's like, you know what? I wish for uh, belly dancers and a big bowl of grapes. 
<laughs> and now all of a sudden, Marty Feldman and I takes over and lose Vecna. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> now, that, everyone take a nap. Really, it'll be fine while I sharpen my dagger. Yeah, the the wish abilities like scary powerful. It is. It is because there's a lot of things you can do or undo. Yeah. Well, and I think that's Needlessly why I, and recklessly. That's why I think I like the fifth edition uh, stuff better. It can't be abused like this can be. If you really think it's, about it's it. It's more difficult to yeah. abuse in fifth edition. I'll give it that. It's a little more difficult to, to abuse the wish. <laughs> the wish ability is not the only ability the eye grants the user, though it's the most powerful of them all. The eye also comes with secondary powers that may be used with no adverse effects whatsoever to the user. These effects are as follows. Clear audience, water breathing, and paralyzation. The paralyzation comes with a minus three on the saving throw for the target. These can be used three times a day. I like that paralyzation thing. Yeah. Yeah. But water breathing? I don't know. <clears throat> Well, I, I mean, if you're really, really bored, you can jump in the lake and start paralyzing fish, I guess. Yeah. I was know. was Vecna a, an avid um, scuba diver, or maybe he was on the swim team in no, college? I, I did hear he loved fly fishing, though. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, he was the avid fly fisherman. I could see him in those, like, rubber pants and everything. With they the never boots. fit very well. He's a little bony. Yeah. So, but he never really fit very Get well. Get that man a cheeseburger, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, how about you give me a hand? But I'm bumped. So on to the Hand of Vecna. Uh, according to the Encyclopedia Magica, the hand appears as a dried, shriveled, and blackened hand. This, of course, is one of the two remaining parts of the Archlich Vecna. So, here's the 5th edition version of the hand. Properties of the hand. Your alignment changes to neutral evil, and you gain the following benefits. Your strength score becomes 20, unless it is already 20 or higher. Any melee spell attack you make with the hand and any melee weapon attack you make with the weapon being held in that hand deals an extra 2d8 cold damage on a hit. The hand has eight charges. You can use an action to expend one or more charges to cast one of the following spells. Uh, save DC of 18. Finger of death, five charges. Sleep, one charge. Slow, two charges. Or teleport, three charges. The hand regains 1d4 plus four exp- uh, expended charges daily at dawn. Each time you cast a spell from the hand, it casts the suggestion spell on you, save DC 18, demanding that you commit an evil act. The hand might have a specific act in mind or just leaves it up to you. To attune to the hand, you must lop off your left hand at the wrist, then press the artifact against the stump. The hand grasps itself to your arm and becomes a functioning appendage. If the hand is ever removed, you die. The Eye of Vecna and the Hand of Vecna each have the following random properties. One minor beneficial property, one major beneficial property, one minor detrimental property. So there you go. Yeah, that's... um. It got a, have a, it's got a little little juice behind it. Yeah, you can have a lot of fun with that committing an evil evil act thing. Yes. Um, it's kind of like that, uh, that kid your parents... Never approved you hanging around with, you know, when you were younger. <laughs> it's just me and that hand telling me to do bad things. Why don't you give, why don't you go over the second edition for us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the before, one we like we, best. Before we digress. Yeah, into, quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, second edition, close to the heart. If the hand is pressed against the stump of a wrist, 
The wearer of the hand is able to use all of its awesome and terrible powers. It is not immediately known with any of these artifacts whether or not there are powers associated with them, though. These powers are being discovered through trial and error, because that's fun. Once the hand attaches itself to the body of its host, the alignment of the host changes to evil. Not even a detect evil spell will reveal this, however. So, you pesky paladins, <laughs> you can bugger off. Uh, removal of the hand can only be done under certain circumstances. The hand can be removed at any time prior to the use of any of the hand's primary powers. After 10 uses, though, the hand can never be removed. No effects of the hand can be altered by any means at all, and every time one of the hand's primary powers is used successfully, the wielder of the hand's powers incurs penalties. When I say that the effects of the hand cannot be altered by any means, I mean by any means. Not even a wish spell or the act of a god can alter the effects of the hand. What are those primary powers, though, Bill? What are they? Okay, the primary powers used by extending the fingers of the hand in different combinations. Uh, sleep also affects up to one creature of any level three times per day. Generate a double effect slow spell twice a day. Finger of death with minus four on the saving throw once per day. Regenerate up to one half of all points lost in combat. Teleport twice per day. Monster summoning once per day. X-ray vision as a ring of X-ray vision. Spell turning, death spell twice per day. Locate treasure. That's a, uh, you know, and I, I think that <laughs> the finger of the finger of death, <laughs> you know, you you have to. That's the one you use the middle finger for, right? It's got to be. You give you it's give the uh, you give the uh, the somatic component is the old middle finger, and the verbal <laughs> is a. You know, and then that's the finger of death. Bodies dropping everywhere. It's either that or teleport. (laughs) Give him the middle finger and go, I am out of (laughs) here. For some reason, this x-ray vision thing. Yeah, it popped up. Yeah. Is uh, is big. And I I don't know if. Well, you can go through walls with no problem. Yeah. I think it's a a foot. I'm, I'm just going off of memory, so I'm sure I might be wrong. But it's like a foot of stone. And or a foot of, of of metal and like six feet of stone or something you can see through up to that point, uh, which is pretty substantial because and it's got a good range to it too. So you're you you can basically stand in one room and pull a three sixty and and scan everything around you. Uh, it's pretty easy to find stuff. You, you can't hide things, secret doors, stuff in bottom bottom of chests. So X-ray vision is very, very useful, especially when people are trying to hide stuff from you. How about that locate treasure feature? That's pretty cool, too. That must have been from when Vecna was a banker. Well, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, his early days as an accountant. Yeah, before the whole lich thing happened. Yeah. Got to pay the bills. Yep, well, there you go. It, it, <laughs> even horses count, cost money, so. That's right. Except in Lose World where you just burn down the stable yeah. and take, take the horse. Take them. But most people pay for them. Murder but, hobos. But deny it. Deny it. I dare you. Go ahead. Deny it. Go ahead, wild card. Deny you did that. I'm not going to deny it. I'm going to say it happened. Lou's not it, proud it, of it, it, but it happened. We all make mistakes in our misguided youth, even though I that was like, I what, wasn't three, proud of it. Three years ago. He, <laughs> I was waiting for the other half because he always goes, it happened. And he almost always goes in self-defense. Yeah. Against the 13, 14-year-old stable boy 
that he beat up and then lit the stable on fire with no one else in there to threaten him with all the horses in their stables. He was but a it was against stable self, boy. But it, it was, was a big stable boy. Yes, but it was against self-defense. It was self-defense. It was self-defense. No, it didn't happen like that. Yeah, there, there we know. six guys in there. Remember that one? No. no. Of course you guys would say that. All right. So the user <laughs> of the artifact uh, always receives a premonition of danger just before the event occurs. It does not reveal what the danger is, just that there is a threat in the area. So you get the spidey sense on top of that. Ooh, tingles and everything. Yep. Secondary powers, you get levitation, fly, infravision, and detect traps and, and secret doors. I, I think the levitation thing is cool. You well, know, anytime you can, you can hover like an inch or two off the floor and just kind of yeah. float across, it's that, that cool evil factor. You have to have like billowy cloaks and robes on so they kind of flap around while you're doing it. Did you ever get a good look at the hands of Mother Superior when you were in school? She was swinging that ruler way, way too fast. She was like lightning. But, I think she but, was a but, lich, but too. But she kind of hovered, right? She did. It never seemed... She never walked. She kind of hovered across the floor, but... She glided across the floor towards you? Yeah, that yeah. was... Uh, we are always looking for her phylactery. <laughs> we, th- we think it was being stored in the liquor store down the street. <laughs> Who would have looked there? <laughs> Not me. I, just the priest. <laughs> Sorry, edit that out. No, stay. <laughs> Uh, use of this artifact causes the user to eventually become ethereal every time he or she is under stress. Each time it is used, the user has a 2% chance cumulative of going ethereal when under stress. After 10 uses, the character has a 20% chance of becoming ethereal under stress. So being under stress is defined as any situation where the user faces a monster, trap, place, or person that the user is uncertain that he or she can conquer. After 50 uses, the user becomes ethereal with every stressful situation, the ethereal state lasts until the stress is removed. Sir, do you knew you know why I pulled you over today? Poof, gone. <laughs> <laughs> we almost made Lou choke on a grape. <laughs> so your character would never really be around. If he was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless he was badass and just didn't care. Yeah, and then you'd just be scared. <laughs> Okay, in addition to the primary and secondary powers of the hand, uh, being touched by this hand will turn the opponent's bones to jelly. This gruesome power can be used once per day. That in itself That's, is just scary as hell. Yeah. <laughs> hey, get a load of this. Poke your blob. <laughs> <laughs> just fall right out of your clothes because there's That's nothing it. else. And you're like a big old puddle of goo. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's another one, Bill. There's another artifact of Vecna. Ah, well, did yeah. I miss one? There's the Sword of Cass. Ah. Right? That counts, doesn't it? It, it does. It, well, yeah, it, it does. It, it counts it's, not a, it's not a part of him, but it was yeah. created by him. Exactly. It was created by him. And Wielded it was, by somebody else. Yep. Yeah, it was used to kill him. Yep. That's how, how, about a, how about a few details? Fill us in. Few. All right. Well, Cass was Vecna's chief lieutenant, and as Vecna was the greatest wizard of his time, Cass was the greatest swordsman. In the end, Cass betrayed Vecna, and both were killed during that betrayal. All that rem- remained of the Archlich Vecna was his eye and hand, and all that remained of Cass was his sword. Here's the 5th edition version of the sword. The sword of Cass is a wondrous item, an artifact that requires attunement. The sword of Cass is a magic, sentient longsword that grants a plus 3 bonus to attack and damage rolls made with it. It scores a critical hit on a roll of 19 or 20, and deals an extra 2d dense 
slashing damage to undead. If the sword isn't bathed in blood within one minute of being drawn from its scabbard, its wielder must make a DC 15 charisma saving throw. On a successful save, the wielder takes 3d6 psychic damage. On a successful save. (laughs) That hurts. Oh, it must get better then. Oh, it does. On a failed save, the wielder is dominated by the sword as if by the dominate monster spell, and the sword demands that it be bathed in blood. The spell effect ends when the sword's demand is met. So that could be like anything. Once that once that sword takes you over, the person standing next, next to you, you yep. especially if lose the guy holding the <laughs> I sword, say, I hope he never is going to get stabbed. <laughs> I can see him just just hovering there, just hacking at his horse because everyone else ran away. So the random properties, sort of cast has these random properties. It's got a minor beneficial property, a major beneficial property, a minor detrimental property, and a major detrimental property. How about telling us about the second edition version of this, Bill? Let's get into that. The sword is a thin gray blade made from an unidentified substance, though it is clear that the substance is some type of metal. The sword is approximately six feet in length with a ripple of gold running down its center. The hilt is approximately two feet in length, wrapped in red leather, flecked with gold. But the sword, although it seems incredibly long, can easily be wielded with two hands. The crossguard is narrow and made of unicorn horn, caped with black pearls. The basket surrounding its hilt is sculpted in the image of a leering, bearded face. Perhaps this face is that of Cass himself. The sword has a bonus of plus three to hit and damage, and a plus five to hit and damage versus undead and fiends. This is an intelligent magic item and has an intelligence of 18. The Sword of Cast is an evil weapon, and it will immediately turn the alignment of any who wield it to evil. The sword has the following abilities. Water breathing. The user may become ethereal twice per day. Cause serious wounds of double effect twice a day. As long as the user carries the artifact, the character acts as a magic drainer. No magic directed at the user has any effect. And the user can use no magic. Any magic that touches any part of the user's body permanently loses its magical ability. The user may restore one lost level as a restoration spell once per week, perhaps one drain from a nearby friendly PC. It's our opinion that the second versions of these iconic artifacts are far more potent than the 5th edition counterparts. Your opinion may vary regarding this, and that's fine because it's your game and you can do whatever you want. Whatever you do as a Dungeon Master, whether it's to be use the hand and the eye as listed in the 5th edition, Dungeon Master's Guide, or use a 2nd edition version we have outlined, or to blend the two together. Do take time to add artifacts to your game. Yeah, really, yeah, throw them in there at higher levels. At higher levels. Or, yeah. or, or make them the, the focal point. Of a campaign, I think that's a really cool thing to I do. I think another way too is pass it off to one of your NPCs because there's almost always an NPC or someone, a guide or something like that. Have them stumble upon it accidentally. It slides across the floor, and everyone goes, "Don't touch it!" And he's like, reaches down, but no, no, I want to help, and picks it up, and all this badness starts. Or you could use having a regular commoner happen across them with the party, and he becomes your big bad at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's actually. Uh, yeah, a, a, good a really sick way to start a campaign, even if it's just like the guy who tends to your horses. Yep, you know, has been kind of traveling with with the party. Everybody 
has grown really fond of him. He's just kind of like a simple, regular sort of guy or regular sort of gal. And uh, that sword, you know, the sword falls in front of him. His first instinct is to pick things up because he's always picking up after the party, and boom. Now he is your bad guy, and now they have an emotional attachment to him. And now they have to go kill him. And that's well, while be his hard. wife, Betty, who's been your cook the whole time, is screaming, don't hurt him. Yeah, well, that, that goes your, mor- your moral um, game. Yeah. Your moral dilemma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's these other Vecnan artifacts. So we talked about the, hot, the eye, the hand, the sword. But over the course of Dungeons & Dragons, very long history, and it is a very long history, there's some other magic items related to our favorite lich. Now, we all know that the body of Vecna, except for the hand and eye, was completely destroyed in his battle with Cass, but apparently more of his body survived. His other eye and fingers on his right hand survived, as did his scalp, a molar, incisors, a foot. How about, how about that? A Carrying foot. around a lich's foot. foot. Some skin and the uh, heart. There's also a set of bracers associated with Vecna. He is believed to have not only worn them, but crafted them as well. These items are, of course, cursed. We would be remiss not to mention the false artifacts, too. There was a time where a fake head and hand of Vecna was constructed and used by cultists. I'm not really... How do you construct a head? I don't know, paper mache? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, a little sod, maybe some yeah. some horse hair. Maybe you went down to Michael's and got one of those things, those heads that you yeah. put a wig on. I wonder if they have a Vecna mold. The Vecna, yeah. I think you yeah, get... Just- Get one, you know, for Halloween to make like Jello. You know, we can bring it to the pottery class and stuff like that. Yeah. Throw it in the kiln, make four or five of them. Use it as an ashtray. Yeah, there you go. It's good use for it. The Vecna ashtray. We're gonna have to add that to the Teespring store. The Vecna, <laughs> the, the Vecna, Vecna ashtray. ashtray. See what you could do about that. I don't know how I feel about those other artifacts. I kind of just like the I, I the hand I, in the eye. I think it cheapens things a yeah. little bit. I mean, there are probably a lot of these have probably popped up in like Dungeon uh, or uh, Dragon Magazine, Dragon Magazine yeah. uh, Polyhedron, things like that. I mean, just yeah, just as kind of like, hey, you know, check this out. Maybe this will work. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because if there's this many parts floating around. You can build yourself um, a whole like Vecna, yeah. Like a and the whole Vecna idea scarecrow. is he's, you know, he's he's bound, he's dead, he's he's gone. His essence is still kind of floating out there, but he hasn't materialized. And let's probably keep it that way because it's better for for the story for oh, the yeah, suspense. Is, yeah. for, you know, but that you know, have him come back, okay, maybe. But um, you're dealing with a demigod here. Yeah, yeah. I I um. I don't know. I don't. I, I would be apt not to use those, or if they were to make an appearance in a campaign, they would they would be you know swiftly proven to just be like fakes. Yeah, you know, like that Yeti scalp that they had in Tibet, and it turned out to be a goat. Right, which is kind of a. I mean, Josh Gates has built a, like a whole series on stuff like. I love Josh Gates. I do. He he is a very charismatic gentleman. He is. He is. I go on an adventure with him. I probably have a heart attack and blow out my knee because I got a bad. Well, I got bad knee. <laughs> Don't we all? It's a lot of wear and tear. <laughs> yeah, Josh Gates is Josh Gates is doing in the real world what we do in D and D on Monday nights. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's way more badass than we are. <laughs> <laughs> He's also twenty years younger than yeah, me. Well, yeah. <laughs> twenty years ago, I could do the badass stuff too. Oh wow! So, how would you use these in a campaign, though? the The artifacts. Yeah. Uh, the artifacts. I I would. Probably, you know, after talking, after your suggestion, I really like that 
having like a, a simple person kind of pick up the sword. I would probably I would probably have an NPC traveling with the party, like hiring the party to to collect these things. And the whole time they're collecting these things, the NPC is kind of scheming to, you know, gouge out his eye, lop off his hand, wield the sword and everything like that, just to So this NPC's done his homework before. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, he's he does just be could just because the NPC seems like a simple tin and, a, and a, a very ordinary person doesn't mean he is. Right. So he's just using the party to... Right. It could be a very, you know, relatively smart and decently leveled spellcaster that is like, mm, okay, maybe a follower of that cult and said, hey, I'm going to try something different. Instead of, you know, the, uh, this going out as a gang, I'm going to do this all by myself. I would go with the misguided good guy. You know, there's like, he... Or she knows that there's something coming that requires someone with some potent ability to kind of face, like an otherworldly invasion from another another plane or demi plane, and he's or she's out looking for those artifacts so that they could be the one to kind of stand against whatever foes are are expected to arrive. Um, they have the right thing in mind, you know, they have the best of intentions, but they find that when they get these artifacts and they have everything they need and now they're wearing them and using them, that they're that thing that was kind of prophesized as coming, you know, so they... They they, be, they fulfill the prophecy, Yeah, you know, but, by being the bad guy that is going to destroy the city, the, the town, the family. Or the world. So or now world, you're yeah. now you're um now the PCs who are traveling with this person, kind of supporting their cause, now have to take this person down. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. Sounds very good. Yeah. And that's this week's episode on Artifacts of Vecna. Look for more DM quick tips, our new segment, A Monster in Minutes, and all the new mini episodes for this month. Halloween is in October, and that means all our Dungeon Masters Doja content in October is Halloween-themed. See you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo, or you can drop us an email at thedungeonmastersdojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.